0: War Party U is not licensed by, affiliated with, or endorsed by the University of Utah or its athletic programs. The views and opinions expressed on the War Party U weekly podcast are those of War Party U and War Party U alone. Go Utes! Come in, and what's shaking you, Nation? Congratulations, one and all. We made it through the wilderness. Somehow, we made it through. We've gotten through by week number two, and we have a game at Rice-Eccles Stadium this weekend, bringing in UCLA, throwing down some sweet throwback uniforms. Ranked number seven in the country in the college football playoff poll. Healthy, rested up, and ready to take on the stretch run. It is a great time to be a Ute fan. Not only that, but hoops. Coming out of the gate strong so far with, with a couple of wins and just landed the number seven recruiting class in the country. Larry K may have some something special brewing up there at the Huntsman. Women's Hoops lands a top 20 recruiting class. The Red Rocks land three stellar signees. It's a great time to be a Ute. Not to mention all of the academic accolades and associations that have been coming down the pike lately, but this isn't a podcast about academic excellence. This is a podcast about football, tailgating, and having a good time. So joining me as always this week, Ryan Boyce and Michelle Bodkin lending insight, commentary, and general shenanigans to the mix. I am Matty Aces, and this is War Party U. Thanks for joining us. Buckle up. We got a game. Very exciting times for the Pac-12 right now. We've had several teams ranked throughout the the season. They come and go. The two mainstays in the rankings have been Utah and Oregon, both of whom had bye weeks last week, and both of whom moved up a spot in the CFP rankings. So Oregon currently at six, Utah currently at seven. But there's a lot of other moving parts going on, uh, you know, throughout the conference and. Uh, and so let's look at uh, let's look at the scores from from last week. Of course, Friday night you had uh, you know the Friday night weirdness that that always seems to occur. But Washington able to take care of business uh, and uh, and handle Oregon State 19 seven. Uh, Saturday, Colorado won a I don't know less than t- terribly exciting game against Stanford uh, 16-13. One of the uh, Utes' hopes for uh, for USC to go down and pop, pop another loss on that record did not happen. Arizona State couldn't get it done. UC, USC takes them down in Tempe, 31-26. Uh, so you know, obviously, obviously the Utes need to win out. That's you know, that's first and foremost. Uh, but uh, you know, if if the Utes do stumble we're we're going to need USC to drop another game if we want to play in Santa Clara for a chance at roses and more. But, man, just handle your business. It's all out there in front of us. Everything that we wanted to accomplish at the beginning of the season is still out there for the taking. And, and, and so that's a, that's a great feeling to have heading into the last three weeks here. Finally, Cal took down Washington State, 33-20. Mike Leach, kind of a douche about his players when they lose. He's he, I mean, he is funny as hell in his interviews, and he has some great sound bites. But, man, when things aren't going well, he's kind of a dick. And, uh, you know, out in public, you know, it is just, you know, I think that we're, we're, de- we're, we're definitely spoiled here in, 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 in Salt Lake City uh, with the coach that, uh, of our ball team because Witt is uh, all class all the time. Um, you know, he doesn't give out as much information as we'd like. Uh, I know that's frustrating that he won't talk about injuries and things like that, but, but let's face it, man, no matter what goes on, He's not going to throw players in the bus at the post-game presser. He's not going to. He, he's not going to call them out um, in you know, kind of mean bully like ways. He's just. He's not going to be a dick to his players, uh, you know, out out in the public public eye. And I appreciate that a lot about him. And uh, it's funny because the over the social media there was a video surfaced of of wit, uh when when Ron McBride first introduced him as the D line coach, and there he is. Svelte, still buff as always, brown hair, mustache, but his voice mannerisms, inflections, everything—if you closed your eyes, you would not know that that was young Wit You know, when he was first coming onto the U of U staff, man, it sounds exactly like he does now—the phrases, the terminology, the way he speaks—it's amazing. Man is just the model of consistency. So, you know, let's take a peek at, uh, at the conference schedule coming up. Uh, of course, Utes host UCLA at 6 p.m. at Rice-Eccles Stadium. That is a uh, talking point of this episode of War Party U. It is really nice to have a game to talk about. And here it is, man. It's gravy the rest of the way. Four weeks of, of football games and then a break and then we'll see what happens. And yes, I said four weeks of football games because I fully expect... Utah to be playing for the Pac-12 title on December 6th. I just... I think it's going to happen. Stanford takes on Washington State. Both of them are 4-5 and five overall. Washington State just 1-5 and five in conference right now. Um, Wazoo, oddly enough, favored by 10.5 in that one. So that'll be interesting. Um, my pick, I think that... Uh, I think that mentally Washington State has... Is kind of has has kind of checked out. Uh, they need two more wins for bowl eligibility, two out of three. Um, so losing this weekend, they could still uh, go make you know make some bowl eligibility. But uh, they end the year against against Washington, and I think Washington's probably going to handle the Cougars. Um, my opinion. Uh, I think Stanford wins this one. Um, you buy you know, buy less than a touchdown, a touchdown or less. Let's call it. Um, Arizona State travels to the Big Potato Salad to take on the Oregon State Beavers. Uh, Devils favored by two and a half right now. Uh, gosh, I would think Arizona State's going to beat them up, but you know who knows? I, you know, I think Arizona State's better than they've shown, but maybe not. Uh, you know, uh, the proof will be in the pudding, as they say. Arizona travels up to Otzen takes take on those web-footed wonders. The Oregon Ducks. Oregon favored by 27 and a half. Um, but wouldn't it just be so Pac-12 for Arizona? To st- Arizona's like you can, can totally make some noise and, and cause some controversy and keep uh, any, any playoff hopes, uh, um, you know, with the pin down if you're with a win against, you know, Utah and Oregon in, the, in in the next couple of weeks. So, you know, who knows. Khalil Tate gets hot for a couple of games and, and handles some 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 miracles. Arizona has a great chance to play spoiler for, for both of the of the of the leaders in the, in the division. So, that's an interesting thing to keep an eye on. And then finally, the late game Pac-12 after dark. USC and the Cal Bears. USC's favored by 6 in this one. Uh, you know, I think, honestly, I think I, I, I don't see USC losing the rest of the way. I think they went out. Um, you know, and, and obviously, I, I hope they went out because uh, as things come down, you, we, we need our one loss to look as good as we can. I think that if USC wins out, they've got a good shot. They're getting votes already in the, uh, for the top 25. If they keep winning and doing it in impressive fashion, I think that UCLA or USC could easily be ranked by the end of the season and having the one loss on your record being a ranked team is going to look good in the eyes of the playoff committee and now we are into the time where style counts um, unfortunately uh, because that's not Witt's style but that is the world we live in uh, that's what the, 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 the guessers that, that put together the, the CFP poll and ultimately are responsible for deciding who's going to play for the national championship um, you, gotta, you, you gotta make it impressive you got to dump truck, everybody on your schedule, take no prisoners, show no mercy and finish the game. So that's what's coming up, of course. We'll be talking a lot of we're, we, we, we'll be talking a lot about Utah, UCLA um, today, and looking forward to it, looking forward to it. So stick around. There's more part of you where this came from, and we're just glad you're here because you know, truth be told, you're our favorite listener. Yes, you. You. Yeah, no, I'm not talking about the other one. No, you. That's right. Uh Uh-huh. You. Thank you.
1: at it here at War Party U. After a long bye week, we are finally in game day mode once more. It's game week, guys. Can't can't wait to break down and talk about a few things. I'm Michelle Bodkin. I am here with my friends Matt and Ryan. And as always, we are giving you the lowdown on all things Utah football, tailgating, the works. And you know it's kind of sad. We're we're heading into our third to last regular season game of of the year. Uh, like I said, Utah's coming off a bye. They got to rest up a little bit, a, a little bit before heading heading into the final three regular season weeks and kind of cementing whatever their fate will be. Uh, I think. I think, you know, it it worked out pretty well for him uh, that that Washington game was a physical one. And and we didn't talk about or go into incredible depth about the Washington game last week. We kind of kept it fun and light and airy. But now that it's game week, uh, let's let's jump into some of the things that happened as a refresher to give you that little taste, that little that little nibble before we turn our focus to UCLA and, and what Utah kind of needs to do to finish out the season. Now, Washington, it's, it was an away game. I, I was there, my partner in crime, Stephen Bartle was also there in Seattle. Uh, and I, I mean, first things first, if, if you want a cool tailgate experience, I highly, highly, highly recommend you hit husky stadium at some point it's i i would say and i haven't hit every tailgate in the pac-12 yet uh so i don't i don't know for sure for sure uh where where everything absolutely ranks but so far i would say usc and washington are my tops in the pac-12 outside of utah who, I mean, let's be honest here. I think I think we do an amazing job with tailgating, and I think I think part of what makes that so fun is that I I think a lot of visiting teams, their fans, don't necessarily expect Utah to know how to party, uh, and and I mean, hand hand clap to you guys. Uh, you 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 show them that you can and and it's not a mormon thing or a non-mormon thing it's you know i everybody kind of has come together and figured out their own their own way to celebrate and have a good time and have some fun with it before before it's time to head into the game and, and make our guests feel welcome and stuff and so i think that's really cool and i always love hearing the feedback from opposing fans because most of the time it's, it's pretty good. And, uh, it, it, they decide that Utah is a place that they want to make a destination, you know, every time their team travels here. And I think that's awesome. And, and that's a good culture to have. So with that being said on, on the opposite end, so this is my, this was my second time doing the Seattle trip and and going up to Husky Stadium the first time I kind of got to do a fan slash media uh experience it was it was the 2016 game that was a little bit later in November I think it was more like mid-November like maybe the second to last game of the season uh and the weather then was also beautiful, which was a little strange and weird. I've joked with so many Seattle people that I think they're lying about all the rain that they get because it's been really nice and really beautiful both times I've been there. And, and my understanding is that this really is kind of their rainy, not so great season. So I don't know what's up with that. Like I said, I think they're fibbing. I just think they want to keep people out of there because it's a beautiful place very beautiful city uh you know I I think it's for me it's kind of a good mix of I am a huge fan of San Francisco I love San Francisco I love going and visiting San Francisco whenever I can but I also have a real love affair with Salt Lake City as well and so I, to me, Seattle feels like a really good mix of all the best things about Salt Lake as well as all the best things about San Francisco. So Seattle has also kind of become a place that I, I like having an excuse to go to and an excuse to explore and, and hang out and, and all that good stuff. So, so the city itself, if you've never been beautiful, uh, so pretty especially in November with the fall colors which are always spectacular like so pretty uh, but then Washington so so their tailgate scene is a little bit different. Uh, it's much like Tennessee from what I've heard that they they pull their boats up on on the river that runs through there or there's a lake, Lake near the the stadium. I've never been to Tennessee, so I don't know. This is just what I've heard that it's very similar. Uh, but literally, Husky Stadium butts up against Lake Washington. It's maybe a hundred yard walk from the lake up to the stadium, and you know there are a lot of fans that have boats on Lake Washington, and so. They will sail around the lake, you know, especially like if it's a later game and kind of hang out and and do the usual eating, drinking, having fun. But it's so cool because all these boats, they like butt up to each other. They all tie off next to each other. So it's like long tied up trains of boats near the stadium and you just hop from one one boat to the other on on the back back end of it and and hope to god that you're not so drunk that you fall off the the side of it especially especially come november that's gonna be a little chilly and cold and not very fun uh and and that 2016 game it was like an eight o'clock kickoff or a 7 p.m kickoff so it was dark outside obviously end of november a little little chilly gets a little chilly at night that that humidity that humid cold which kind of sucks but uh yeah it's it's definitely one of those things you don't want to fall off the back of a boat into into the lake when it's dark outside in November but I and and I have to say I I love Husky fans I I am a huge fan of Husky fans Just because, to me, they're some of the like more football savvy. Like, they they overall they know the rules pretty well. Uh, They most of the conversations I've had with Husky fans like have been really interesting. Like, they're they're more apt to really want to know what they're dealing with. As, as far as the opposing team, players to look out for, uh, you know, any kind of interesting little tidbits, statistics on on the visiting team and stuff. And so, like, I've had some really awesome, really awesome conversations with various Husky fans. I have quite a few that actually follow me on Twitter, which is awesome. I think I, think I have more Husky fans um, than than any other Pac-12 school. I know I have quite a few BYU fans as well that follow me. So shout out to you guys if you happen to listen, Husky fans and BYU fans and and whoever else kind of follows me as well. Like it's always fun to have, you know, good conversations with opposing fans. It's a chance for me as a reporter to kind of get a feel for, you know, what, what the fan base thinks of the opposing team and... And just have some really interesting conversations. And it's always the best when it's it's not something stupid. Like, I, I hate you just because I hate you type of stuff. Like, that stuff I can't stand. But, like, when it's actually, like, intelligent or funny kind of banter. Like, I am all about that life. I love that. But Husky fans are very, like I said, they're very football savvy. I think it has a lot to do with having an NFL team right there. and. And then, of course, the Huskies, and then I, there's quite a few Wazoo fans within the Seattle area as well. And so, I think it just it breeds just it, an interest, an interest and a hunger. And and then now with them having an XFL team starting in Seattle, like I I think that XFL Seattle team is probably going to have one of the better instant fan bases just because I I think fans in that area for whatever reason are just so tuned in so keyed in like I said they know all the rules they they tend to learn everything they can about the opposing team I get asked sometimes sometimes I sit there and I'm like god I think you maybe know more about my team than I do and I'm supposed to be an expert but it's it's super fun having those interactions, and it's a great place to visit in in my opinion. And and I think they're pretty reasonable and level headed too. Like it's it's one of those things. I I don't think there's a fan base that <laughs> hates Pac-12 refs more more than Husky fans, just because again they they just seem to understand and know the rules very well. And so I've kind of noticed they tend to be, they tend to get very upset when things aren't called evenly and, and if a call's not right, even for the opposing team. So it's, it's just, it's a very interesting, different football culture there. And I love it. I am such a fan of it. Uh, And, and I just kind of think that's, that's the way it should be. But so, I mean, that's kind of the football culture. That's that's their tailgate scene. Like I said, it's it's so fun. It's a cool city. It's a cool football co- football culture, and and I think it's gonna get even cooler. You know, if if the XFL can stick things out and like the AAF, uh, you know, it, it's just gonna. It's going to be a really, I don't know, I think beneficial thing. If if that can stick around and just really add to, to what they have going on in their culture. Anyway, we're going to take a break. And then I am going to help get into breaking down exactly what happened in the Utah-Washington game. Again, give you a little taste. Remind you of the glory of that game. And then we'll start looking into UCLA Coming to Salt Lake City this weekend on Saturday, rice Stadium, 6 p.m. Be there or be square. You're listening to War Party U, and we'll be back at it in just a bit. This is War Party U coming at you hot and fast with everything Utah football. I am Michelle Bodkin, and I'm here with my friends Matt and Ryan, and we are talking all things Utes, all things Ute football. And in in our last segment, we talked about how it's been a long bye week, and it feels like forever since Utah played, and part of that is because they were away, and we talked about the cool football culture that Seattle has that husky fans have the tailgate tailgate scene is really awesome the fans are really awesome and, and well informed generally speaking uh, and and for me I I this, that's a game that I'm really starting to love to cover uh, for so many reasons but let's so let's get into again just a refresher what happened almo- almost two weeks ago in Seattle, so Utah came in, and, and I think it was a little surprising, they came in a little bit flat, and I don't, I think there were a couple of things that were going on, I think Washington was refreshed, they, they themselves were coming off of a bye, and, and that can do wonders, you know, for a team, uh, this season, the season's long, it's a very physical game, and you know, to get a break, and i I think especially a break before you play a team that plays as hard and physical as you do, if not more so like it 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 helps a lot it helps a lot because you know Utah is gonna come in swinging. I think it's pretty well documented Washington in a lot of ways is very much the same and and so, you know, they were maybe the little the little bit fresher team and and Utah a little a little banged up, but they were getting healthier. Huntley was not near as gimpy as he was in the cow game the the week before that. Uh, they didn't have to rely on Shelly quite as much to be Huntley's legs. Uh, and And I expect off of this by week, Huntley should be pretty close to normal uh still still may not have quite quite the running ability but I think for what's left on the schedule he should be good enough and then hopefully they get you know another another little bit of a break uh before they kind of start doing all their postseason stuff and and that should really help him out uh moving forward but so a little sleepy to start they also had uh an injury on the offensive line, which I don't think a lot of people were aware of and it's it's because Utah doesn't talk about injuries and you know I I mean you can debate back and forth how much you love love that hate that, whether it makes sense, whether it doesn't make sense uh, but simi Mawala was was out and he's kind of he's been an anchor on the offensive line. Uh, I I think something was said about a concussion or he was in concussion protocol throughout the week. Uh, and so he didn't practice and they were trying to not play him uh, just just to make sure he's good and solid and whatnot. And, and they wanted to get uh, Bamadel Olesini, you know, some of his first looks. And so that was, they felt a good opportunity for them to do that. Uh, but the offensive line is a funny position group you know they they don't really get a whole lot of love until they screw up and then everybody everybody's on their butts about god they're awful you know they can't they can't keep our quarterback upright quarterbacks running for his life you know what whatever it may be. Uh and so I mean at the beginning of the season, Utah's offensive line was a little bit shaky and everybody kind of knew it was going to be that way for for a game or two. Just because they were I think replacing four starters and and that can just take some time to get to get a the right combo of guys in uh and and be getting the chemistry going because it unlike just about any other position group outside of the defensive line, uh, it's it's important that the unit thinks and fills as one, uh, and you can tell when they don't. Generally speaking, uh, all kinds of havoc and chaos tends to happen uh, when when there just isn't that fill and that flow between all five guys out there, and. And so that happened in the beginning of the season. They kind of, they found their guys. They were starting to get into a rhythm. Uh, like I said, uh, there were some inju- injuries. Uh, Moala had kind of cemented himself as as one of the five guys. And uh, like I said, they, they decided to sit him, put Bam in instead. And it, it kind of seemed to disrupt some of the flow. Um... In which the unit was starting to play with, and so early on, Huntley was sacked three times. Washington was really getting after after them uh, and causing them problems and and the offense just kind of stalled. They couldn't do anything. Zach really couldn't run. Huntley couldn't really throw and and it was a bunch of three and outs, whereas Washington kind of. Was moving the ball at will, like even even the defense was a little titch bit slow to start. Not not terrible. I, and to be expected. I really do feel like in a lot of ways Utah's defense likes to kind of fill their opponent out um, and and let them move the ball a little bit, and then it it just always seems like they kind of take everything away. They snatch everything away, and all of a sudden. These offenses can't move anymore. And that that's essentially what ended up happening once again with Washington. But then on the flip side, we go back to the offense and, uh, you know, Bam. Bam apparently went out with an injury. I, it sounded like he maybe hurt his shoulder. Witt said he couldn't finish the game. So they ended up going back to Mawala. And that's when everything kind of settled down and, you know, Moss was able to start breaking off some runs. Uh, Huntley was able to find his receivers, and oh my God, did his receivers make some plays! Those guys have come such a long way from last season. Unbelievable, and and so unselfish too. Like there's there's five guys that in any other offense probably could be the star player that, you know, has tons of catches every game, you know, 100 yards every game. And instead, instead, these guys are all of the mindset that they'd much rather have fewer catches, fewer yards but collectively do their 111th to ensure a win. And what that ultimately does for Utah's offense is it makes it hard to defend because you can kind of ride the hot hand or the hot, hot hands. Uh, You know, there, there's any combo of guys or any one guy on any given day game day that, you know, could have a big day and, and be someone that the opposing defense just wasn't counting on, you know, being a problem or, or, or whatever it may be. But so, I mean, some of the, some of these guys that had big major plays, well, so you look, you look at all the receivers, so the receiver with the most catches on the day was actually Zach Moss. But if, if we throw out Zach Moss because he's the running back, then it was Damari Simpkins. Uh, had four catches on the day, 31 yards. But then you go down the list, Jalen Dixon had two for 72 yards uh, and came down with a big 41-yarder. Brian Thompson had two for 60 yards. He also came down with a big key 41-yarder. Solomon Enos had two catches for 24 total yards. Uh and, and a really, really big, important third down. Uh, and I, I believe that was his long, his 14-yarder that they absolutely had to get, and it kind of helped change, solidify, you know, what was going on in that game. Samson Nakua only had one catch. Uh, and that was that was for 28 yards, that was also another key catch in the game. So, I mean, these guys were making plays left and right, making Huntley's life 10,000 times easier because they were coming down with these catches. And and he could go to different various guides. Uh, he also went to his tight end, Brent, Brent Keithy. Uh, Devin Brumfield also had a pass catch. So, it just that gets really hard to defend when there's that many people that you can count on to make a big play. Instead of like I said having having the one or two, you know, receivers that you always go to and that's kind of, you know, what Utah's had going on in years past. But the other problem has always been injuries. You know, they had they would have maybe like three guys tops that were top dogs Heads and tails better than everybody else in the receiving core, and you know, injuries happen, guys get banged up, and then they're out for the season, and then it literally is scramble mode to try and figure out you know what the hell they were gonna do. And now, I mean, Utah's to a point where all their receivers are good. On any given day, they can be the big play guy, and oftentimes As was the case this last last week, well, two weeks ago, with Washington. You know, I'm counting, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven actual physical wide receivers that made a big play, had a big catch. And then you can add in Zach Moss and Devin Brumfield. So that equals nine. Nine total guys that made big plays, big key plays, contributed in some some way catching the ball. That's awesome. That's amazing. You have to love that. You have to love that you have that kind of variety. and And like I said, the fact that all these guys have bought into that... And that they would rather see them walk away with a win than have a heavy, heavy stat sheet is awesome. Because you don't hear that about receivers very often. You hear about how they're egotistical jerks that want all the glory for themselves. And it's literally not that way. I did an interesting interview with Brian Thompson. And we talked about the group and the progression that they've made and and what the mindset is amongst that group. Uh, and it's a great read. It's on UteZone.com. If you haven't read it, go read it. Uh, it gives you a really good feel for what this wide receiver core is like, and and why they've been so successful this past season. Uh, you know, between Huntley stepping his game up, but they also made a decision themselves to step step their game up, but also take some pressure off of themselves too. And it's just it's been so awesome to watch. But, so, I mean, let's, let's just quickly take a look at kind of the scoring summary. So, Washington scored a touchdown in every quarter of the game. Uh, and Utah had zero points in the first quarter. They scored 13 points in the second quarter. Six points in the third quarter. And finished up with 14 points in the fourth quarter. And they beat the Huskies. 33-28 to 28 after being down in the game uh, for the first first half and not really, 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 really getting going until the third quarter, uh, which is awesome. And then also just a couple of shout-outs to the defense because they did some amazing, awesome things. I did another interview with the safeties, so that would be Julian Blackman and Terrell Burgess. I always get his last name wrong. I want to say Burgess. It's Burgess. <laughs> but uh, they both were talking about how they wanted to step their game up and, and start trying to come down with some interceptions. And Burgess did not have an interception in that game, but man, did he get after it with some of the tackling and the blitzing that the defense was coming up with and, and really came home on some of that. Blackman Pro kind of promised predicted, you know, I'm I'm planning on fixing the interception thing this game. And he did. He came down with one right out of uh the halftime, looked like UW was gonna score. It was gonna be seven points on the board for the Huskies, and he snatched that ball away. And I I would say that was kind of the first turning point of the game. The first turning point of the game, UW got no points off of that. Utah did get points off off of that turnover. And so and that kind of changed the complexion of the game. The other interception, which was a pick six, was none other than Jalen Johnson, Utah's shutdown corner shutdown lockdown cornerback. Uh, and, you know, that was also a very key, key play uh, that game. And and. That was for sure, I think, the absolute turning point. That that was where it was like, okay, Utah is in their element. They're in the zone. The offense was clicking more. The defense was getting at it. All phases were kind of doing what what they needed to do, what we expected them to do. It's like they woke up after that, and, and it was just kind of game over for the Huskies at that point. And... And it resulted in, you know, some big, big rewards for this team. Uh, The college football playoff committee voted them in at number eight after that week. And this past weekend on their bye, they got moved up to number seven in the country. And so... It, it's it's just one of those things they got to keep winning, uh, and and their next test this week is of course UCLA, and they're on a surge. Uh, they've been playing a lot better than they were at the beginning of the season, and we're gonna get into that in the next segment. Talk about kind of you know who who the key cogs in that UCLA. Team is and and what to maybe expect out of Utah and UCLA this weekend again. The game is 6 p.m. Rice-Eccles Stadium. Be there, be square. Your team is number seven in the country. Kind of looking ahead. I I mean, there there seems to be a big matchup with Oregon. You know, kind of coming down. Like I said, that pipeline, something to look forward to, show up to the stadium, be loud, be proud. This is the best team that Utah's had probably since 2015 and really a team that potentially is built to do some damage, some major damage, do do some incredible things, not just in the Pac-12 this year, but nationally. Uh, And and that's something that should be celebrated and enjoyed because those seasons don't happen all that often. Although I think Utah's kind of finding its way to maybe be in a place where they can make that happen on a semi-regular basis. But for now, take it while it comes. And really enjoy it and savor it because this team's doing some awesome things and they are so fun to watch and they are so fun to talk to and they are great ambassadors of your university and they deserve to have people in the seats screaming loud, cheering them on and hopefully elevating their status even more nationally. Anyway, we gotta go to break. You're listening to War Party U and we will be right back.
0: Welcome back in Matty Aces War Party U weekly podcast talking about Utah football tailgating culture fandom insanity it is a good time to be a Ute well in what is shaping up to be a historic season for University of Utah football looking ahead and the potential ceiling of this team now sitting at eight and one number seven in the college football poll uh, in the playoff poll excuse me with an outside shot, a lot of things have to fall into place. I think that both Utah and Oregon need to dump truck, snot bubble, and curb stomp all three of their remaining opponents. And then I think that uh, whoever comes out of that of that conference championship game has an excellent argument and should not be denied entrance into that playoff. Period. Uh, a 12-1 Pac-12 champ uh, with... You know, Oregon's only loss being Auburn and Utah's only loss being USC. It can be argued that the out-of-conference schedule that Utah beat up on was pretty weak, and and it's true, and it was, and that may come back to bite us in the ass, and it may not. The important thing is is that this is a senior-laden team and a lot of guys that could have gone to the league after last year who chose to come back to play for this squad, to play for this school, to play for this coach and this program, to handle the unfinished business left on the table from last year. And the determination and focus and drive in this team is really something to watch. Tyler Huntley is a top-notch quarterback. The offense is firing on, on, on all cylinders, and we still haven't seen everything it can, it can do. There are so many weapons on this squad that it could be a different player time you know from week to week. And you never know who's going to come and and take you down. Personally, I really want to see Solomon Enos Enos come through with, with just a monster game. Because dude is in there on every play. His blocking is impeccable. Every time his number is called, he comes through. He's got amazing hands, amazing athleticism. and. Is in my opinion underutilized on this squad, but I'm you know not in a position to really second guess the play calling because it's working, and the ultimate goal is to get that W. So, uh, you know, the great thing is is that Solomon is just a consummate teammate. He is there. Uh, if he's not blocking, he's he's right in the mix, and he's always you know right there, no matter who's scoring, to 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 celebrate and support and have his, have his teammates back. But I want to talk a, a moment about one Zach Moss, arguably the greatest running back in Utah history at this point. Watching this kid play is just something else. And let's not lose sight of the fact that three more regular season games, a conference championship game, and a bowl game, possibility of another game if, if you know if Utes make it into the playoff and win a semifinal then there's another game to be played but there's a handful of opportunities left to watch these guys this season and of course you know we'll have next year we'll be amped about some of the same players the new the the, the new players stepping into the starting roles to take over and carry the torch and we'll be just excited about everything and that's the wonderful thing about college football but for now Let's savor every moment of watching this kid play. Watching number two lace him up and, and put that drum and feather on is, is a treat. I mean, you know, look at the records that he has set this year, so far. Um, he he you know, Of course, against Arizona State, he set the career rushing record. He set, he's set, he, he holds now the record for most 100-yard game, games. He holds the record for more most um, for most rushing touchdowns, and now he has set the the record for most touchdowns scored, um, all purpose. Because man, he's not just a running back; he's catching balls out of the backfield, and he has been Tyler's safety valve on so many plays, and so many of the the plays where Zach gets big chunks of yardage in the in in, in, in receiving. have been on broken plays where Tyler, you know, needs to scramble and needs to find somebody and there's Zach to t- to pick it up and carry. Uh and it's just a it, it's just so much fun to watch. So, you know, let's not let's not rush things. Let's not rush things, fans. Let's let's enjoy this. We've got another Saturday of Utah football. The weather's gonna be gorgeous. And let's take advantage of every opportunity we have to watch these guys play because before you know it the season's done and we're talking about it in the past tense and let's not lose a moment more war party you coming down the pipe stick around
1: one more time for the culture you are listening to war party you this is michelle bodkin with utezone.com hanging out with matt and ryan and we are breaking down all things utah football so i've talked about the uw game ad nauseum uh both both from a football culture standpoint and and from the game perspective utah has another big game of course because let's face it every game in the Pac 12 is a big game and any team can beat any other team any given week it's been proven time and time again and sometimes it's the most shocking jarring thing to to ever or that you'll ever witness and i th- think one of the most shocking aspects of Pac-12 play this year has been one the rise of Oregon State and granted they still have you know ways to go but I don't think anybody really saw or pictured them being second in the Pac-12 North race for as long as they were. I believe they are out of it now. I think UW kind of took care of that uh, the last weekend. Uh, the other interesting surprising Excuse me. A- aspect of Pac-12 play this year has been UCLA now it's it's so funny if you ask my boss Dan at the beginning of the season he thought that UCLA was going to be trash and garbage and nobody should pay attention to them blah 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 like they're just not good and they're not going to be good this was before anybody had played taken a snap that was the pillar that he was standing on I on the other hand felt like this UCLA team had some potential. And I thought they had some good talent. I thought last year they were incredibly young and, and just inexperienced and had not a clue what they were doing on top of, you know, new coaching staff with Chip Kelly and and coming in and mixing things up, and, and that can sometimes cause tensions and whatnot because you got recruited by someone else and you were kind of expecting to play for someone else or you had had been for a long time playing with someone else and then the new guy comes in and says nope that's not how we're doing it and I don't really care that this other person liked you we're doing things my way or the highway and and that sometimes can cause some tensions and and problems but I thought they were kind of starting to come around towards the end of last season and I thought that they would be a headache this year just because everybody was pretty much returning and and just they were going to be a lot more experienced older and wiser essentially and then the season started and uh they looked god-awful so I was like okay okay and Dan totally, Dan totally called it. He knows what he's talking about. I don't know how I missed the boat on this. But man, am I dumb? Sort of thing. Last time, last time I believe in the UCLA Bruins. Well, lo and behold, somehow they've turned things around. They had a shocking game against Wazoo that kind of started the turnaround. And it was one of those things I... Let's see. Who was I What? Who was the other game that week? It was Colorado... It was Colorado ASU. It was Colorado ASU that week. And that game ended... Was way more exciting. I was like, okay. Because like at that point... At like halftime, Wazoo had pretty much buried UCLA, uh, and based off of some of the other games that they had played earlier, it was like, okay, well, there's no way in hell this team is gonna make up that point di- differential. I'm done and through with this game. Colorado ASU is way more entertaining. I've got to watch and see see that to the end. And lo and behold, I start seeing th- seeing some things on Twitter. That uh, UC, UCLA was making a comeback on that game. And I, it was something like they were down like 40-17. Something stupid like that at halftime. So, I mean, like literally you're sitting there thinking there's no freaking way. There's no freaking way. They haven't been able to do a damn thing. and And like I said, lo and behold... They started playing catch-up, and, and then they surpassed Wazoo, and then they won the game. Crazy, absolutely crazy, but from, from there on out, they've kind of been a headache. They're now third in the Pac-12 South race, and potentially can control their destiny in the Pac-12 if Utah happens to stumble. They They are right there. Uh, Right in the mix of things and and could take the lead if things played out. Now, UCLA is definitely much improved. Much, much, much improved. Uh, Their offense seems to have found some rhythm. Uh, Their defense doesn't seem to be as tackle resistant or tackle adverse I guess is a better better way of putting it Uh, they're wrapping up a lot better than they had been earlier in the season and they've they've beat some people and you know now now they're coming into Salt Lake with a a great opportunity let's be frank who doesn't want to be the team that that wrecks you know someone's magical potentially magical season and I mean Utah. Utah was always kind of that team, you know. So I, I think Utah and Utah fans, they they kind of know how that goes and and what that moniker kind of is and and why teams enjoy enjoy that so much because it is fun. It is fun when when you're not actually the the top dog that loses everything. With that being said, let's take a look at kind of you know what UCLA is bringing to the table here. So they have their quarterback, Dorian Thompson Robinson, uh, DTR for short, because it gets to be a little bit of a mouthful, but you know, he, he's thrown 147 passes this year out of 243 attempts. Uh, He's almost at 2000 yards. He's 1837 uh, completion percentage is at sixty-five or sixty percent. Uh, he's averaging seven point six yards per attempt. He has seventeen touchdowns to eighteen interceptions on the year. He's been sacked twenty times and has a quarterback rating of one hundred and forty. I I think the DTR is very interesting. He is athletic. Uh, he throws a pretty nice ball. Uh, he can he can run and escape, and and that's kind of the big key. That's what Whittingham talked about, you know, at the press conference on Monday, was just containing DTR because if he gets out of the tackle box, uh, that's that's when problems arise for teams. And so Utah's defensive line is going to have to be very very disciplined this week. Uh, not only because of DTR, but also because they have a pretty good running back as well. Joshua Kelly is a senior this year, uh, and and he's a bit of a load. He is a big boy. He's he's like six foot six foot one and two hundred and twenty pounds. So I mean, he he can run through through a fool or two, but and and he's being utilized as well. Um, I mean, especially in the rush game. So he has 176 attempts. He has 861 yards on the season. He's averaging 4.9 yards per attempt. Uh, He's broken off a log of 54, and he has 10 touchdowns to his name so far this season. So Utah's defensive line is going to be very, very busy not only watching out for Joshua Kelly, but also DTR. They're also going to have to watch out for another running back, their number two guy at running back, Demit... Sorry, Dimitrick Felton. Uh, and the interesting thing about Felton is he uh, is seeing time... He's their top receiver uh, at the moment, as well as the number two guy at running back. So at running back, he has 75 attempts, 331 yards. He's averaging 4.4 yards per carry. He's broken off a long of 75 and has one touchdown as a running back. But as a receiving threat, he has 39 receptions for 471 yards. He's averaging 12.1 yards per catch. He has a, uh, a long of 94 yards and three touchdowns to his name. Um, some other receiving threats to keep an eye on. Kyle Phillips, 36 receptions, 404 yards, 11.2 yards per, per attempt, or per catch, excuse me. Uh, long of 32. He has five touchdowns on the year. And then, oh gosh, um, Devin Asiasi—he's uh, tight end for for UCLA. I'm so sorry. Not that I think you're listening, or that I really think any UCLA fans are listening. I—I'm pretty sure I said your last name right, but if I messed it up, I'm—I'm I'm very sorry. Uh, many apologies on that. But so he has 26 receptions on the year, 329 yards, uh, 12.7 yards per catch along of 28, and also three touchdowns. So I you know they have some weapons on offense. I think their offense is a little bit better than their defense at this point in time. Their offense is, I think, what will kind of ultimately make or break what happens. In this game, at least at least from UCLA's standpoint. Uh and then as far as you know who to kind of watch for on their defense, uh their top tackler is Steven Blalock, defensive back. He has 59 tackles on the yard, or on the year, excuse me, and Uh, Their interception guy is Josh Woods, and he's one of their linebackers. So I, I think the big thing here is, you know, Utah, at the end of the day, you have to respect what UCLA is doing because they could have folded at the beginning of the year and been done, and, you know, we could be talking about Kelly possibly being ousted after only two years. They picked themselves up by their bootstraps. They've worked hard to improve some of the things that they were very deficient in. And and they've made some strides and they've been a headache for people to deal with. And good on them. Good on them to, to not quit. And again, they're still young. Next year, most of the team is going to be junior seniors this year they're still mostly freshmen and sophomores so they they're still a little bit of a high learning curve I still think Utah is more talented I think they have more depth and I just think I think Utah is so focused on the task at hand like this team is really starting to remind me of you know some of my friends that played played in 08 and just the energy is there and you know I I don't know just how big of a splash this team will ultimately make I don't know I don't know if it's going to be a playoff thing or if it's it's going to be a Rose Bowl thing but I I think they're going to finish the year ranked in the top 10 as long as they keep doing what they've been doing since the USC game and just being tough and aggressive and focused. That's that's really all this team has to do. And they, they have the horses to do it, okay? Tyler Huntley, all he wants to do is play football and win. That is literally the only thing this kid cares about and it shows in what he does and it shows in how he has toughed out this entire season and the work that he's put in to prepare for this season and you know i think so much of that is due in part to the guys that decided to come back i i think tyler would have put in a ton of work you know regardless but i think it was extra when you had four potential nfl guys all say you know what let's give this one more go cuz we think we can do something here like how how does that not give you even even more motivation you, extra 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 motivation so I you know between between Huntley and Zach Moss and you know on the opposite end Lucky too, Bradley and I Julian Blackman and then you know looking at guys like Damari Simpkins that came in with Huntley and Moss like these guys just have a bone to pick it's so obvious they have a bone to pick and it I think it starts with wit it trickles down to his support staff and i think these i think these guys have really bought into it and i think i think they believe in their potential and and want to keep proving that their potential's not a fluke and that this season is not a fluke and that they really do belong up there with the best of the best and I don't think this week is going to be any different. Like I said, I respect UCLA. I respect that they didn't quit, that that they've worked on improving and getting better. That's that's what you always hope that your team will consistently, consistently do. And not every team is mentally tough enough to do that. So hat off to UCLA for that. This isn't your year. (laughs) This isn't your year. I think Utah will win and i think they will win big i think they know that now now it's splash time it's do something so crazy and out of out of left field that makes people stop and go wow that by the time you know we're talking conference championship game they have a good case to maybe make that jump to the top four if they can beat what we're all assuming will will most certainly be Oregon. So you know, look look for Utah to try and razzle dazzle a little bit. And and I mean, it's not going to be over the top. It's not going to be like old school Oregon under Chip Kelly type thing. Like they're I don't think they're going to go quite that level. But but for wit. And what he typically does, I, I think this is a game that, that you see some of that extra, extra whatever come out. And it's hard to believe that Utah could maybe do anything extra than, than what they've been doing. But yeah, just, just watch for it. Just look for it. That That's kind of where my mindset's at. Anyway. It's time for me to wrap up and and be done for the for this particular episode uh as always, a blast talking all things Utah football with the war party u crew and we'll be back next week, hopefully talking about another win, another move up in the ranks maybe perhaps i I don't know it might be a little bit stale from here on out, but but we'll see we'll see we'll see what happens this weekend and you know, uh, we'll, we'll be getting ready to break down, you know, one more game. So here, here we are at the end of, at the end of my time here for this week, you've been listening to War Party Youth. This is Michelle Bodkin signing off.
0: Welcome back in. I'm glad you didn't leave, because we would have missed you. Yeah, I'm talking to you. You. Mm -hmm. That's the one. Well, here we are, folks. Staring down a weekend of college football. The Utes are back on the field. As previously mentioned, welcoming in the UCLA Bruins back to Rice-Eccles Stadium. A team that Utah has, you know... Gotten used to beating, and uh, it's it's kind of nice. But you know, right now Utes are twenty-one and a half point favorites coming in. That's quite a spread. Uh, UCLA has been playing much better football of late. Uh, they UCLA got off to a rough start this year, man. I mean, coming out of the gate, zero and 0 and three in their out of on their out of conference schedule. Uh, now given. You know, one of those games was to Oklahoma, but they weren't even competitive in that game. They lost 48-14 at home against Oklahoma. They also lost at home to San Diego State and on the road at Cincinnati. Um, it wasn't until September 21st they got their first win. That crazy comeback that really kind of sent Washington State into a tailspin. Um, you know, they were Wazoo was ranked 19th at the time and man did ucla just stage that fierce comeback we talked a little bit about that a, a few weeks ago but ever since then it's like washington state really hasn't been able to get things figured out but then you know ucla followed that up with two losses at arizona and at home against oregon state and that's a head scratcher uh not by a little i mean oregon state being a 48 31 just kind of slapped them around. um but, you know, they're on a three-game win streak now. So, you know, they went and won at Stanford, and uh, they, they beat Arizona State. Of course, that's, you know, another team that was ranked in the top, top 25 when they played. And uh, UCLA went ahead and, and took them down. And then uh, uh, they're coming off of a, a, a win uh, a couple of weeks ago against, uh, against Colorado. So, you know, they're coming off of a bye week. Utah's coming off of a bye week. And, uh, you know, while, you know, on paper, it looks like, you know, Utah should handle their business. Utah should curb-stomp UCLA. I fully expect Utah to throttle UCLA. Um, That being said, this is the Pac-12 conference, and anything can happen. And let's not forget that UCLA still controls their own destiny if you will, pardon me, Mike Leach. I'll go ahead and use that term. Uh, but controls their own outcomes, really. If UCLA wins out, and that's in, that includes beating USC, then and Utah. So I mean, it's not going to be easy because uh, you know their 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 remaining schedule is is is, is not uh, you know not the easiest schedule in the world. Uh, you know, UCLA has. Uh, um, you know, a couple of road games in a row here. They're, they're, they, they come in and, and uh, play Utah this weekend, and then they're at USC the week after, and then they close out at home against Cal. Um, you know, so, I mean, you know, Cal really you know has shown signs of, 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 of being a good squad. They've got a good defense, um, and ha- they've got some players on, on the offensive side returning from injury that should help their cause a little bit. Uh, so that's never a gimme no game in the pac 12 is a gimme I, we, we know that from painful experience so it's a matter of the team not losing focus keep the eyes on the prize and uh, witness staff are very good at keeping the, the the squad focused and and they're not i you know i think especially after dropping that game at usc earlier in the season it has it, i you kind of help them to make sure that the team stays focused because No matter what you think is going to happen, you got to go out there and win it. Tyler Huntley had a great quote this week. He said, Yeah, what's all the talk going to do? The talk said, We got to go out there and play. We got to go out there and win the games. Um, And that's exactly what we're looking at. So, you know, an improved and, you know, and and getting better UCLA team. Uh, But, you know, UCLA wins their last three. They're Pac 12 South champs and they're playing in Santa Clara. So. You know, essentially, this is a an, an elimination game for UCLA in the Pac-12 South race. If Utah beats them, then that that's going to be that. But if not, you know, they've only got two conference losses, so you know, lose early if you're going to lose. Uh, not that that's going to you know have any implications other than you know possibly, you know, if UCLA were to you know win out. And and then when you know the conference title, I mean I don't know I don't know if they can even get into the rankings at that point because they've already got you know five losses and the best they can hope for is seven and five, so that's not going to get them and you know get them ranked. It's not going, but it but but who cares, right? I mean if you win the division, you play for the conference title. You win the conference title game, you go to the Rose Bowl, and that would just be the most Pac-12 thing ever to send a to send the 7-5, 8-5 after the conference championship game uh, team uh, to represent the conference in the Rose Bowl. Wouldn't that? But I don't think that's going to happen because Utah is just too loaded, too focused, too ready for this. Uh, you know, Kyle, not known for losing coming off of a bye, not known for losing a lot anyway, especially this season. <coughs> Excuse me. But yeah I mean it's gonna be fun it's gonna it, it's you know I'm, I'm really really looking forward to seeing uh, the Utes offense back on the field um, you know UCLA is allowing 32 points a game defensively uh, which is just below Utah's average output of 33 a game so I, I expect the Utes to be able to score a lot uh, UCLA has given up uh, 170 yards a game on the ground I expect Zach Moss to go over 200 yards I really think it'll be Zach Moss breaks 200 yards and a couple of touchdowns. And, uh, you know, unfortunately with the style points that need to be happening, I just really, you know, would would like to see that happen by playing our backups. I'm really hoping that, you know, these are games where Utah can get out and put the game away early um, so that in the second half we've got the second and third string guys getting tons of game reps they deserve that chance they need that chance and it just pays dividends down the road uh to be sure to be sure so that's what we're looking at my guess i think that utah is going to win comfortably i think we're looking at like a 42 to 14 kind of an affair and uh The big thing for me, though, is that let's get Rice Eccles Stadium rocking. Let's blow the doors off that joint. No more excuses. No more swaths of empty seats up in the corners. Let's pack it out. So I know that all two dozen of you that listen, if you can be there, you're going to be there. And that nobody that listens to this podcast generally is the type to have tickets, not use them, not find somebody to take them, not sell them. and and not you know make sure that those seats are filled for the game but spread the word help me why don't you it's going to be a great time so we're going to buckle up and uh we're going to talk a little bit of tailgating uh so stick around we'll be right back Give or take, we are 48 hours away from kickoff, Utah, UCLA, 6 p.m. Saturday at Rice-Eccles Stadium, and it feels so good to say that the 48-hour rule is in effect. It's been too damn long. We've survived another bye week. These things are so brutal, and this one felt like it was twice as long as the last one, and the last one felt like it lasted about six months, so there's that, but Man, another chance to get up on that tailgate lot and mix it up. I can't believe it's been almost two weeks since we've seen this this squad play. Two weeks since we were all gathered at Utah Sports Collective in Gardner Village. www.utahsportscollective.com Treat yourself to some Ute gear. Buy your Christmas presents. Buy presents for any occasion. There you go, Dallin. A lot of love for you, brother. They did a hell of a job. I can't say enough great things about Dallin and the team at Utah Sports Collective for the watch party for that Washington game. Man, it was a lot of fun. And now we get the chance to get everybody back together for my favorite tailgate of the year. When the Utah Pig Bus throws down the whole hog. It's a tradition that they started back in the Urban Meyer days and actually did a uh, did a whole hog for the team. Uh, for for Coach Meyer and uh, and you know it's a it's a tradition every year and it's generally when one of the SoCal schools comes in. Last year it was USC um, and uh, you know look up the archives from last the USC game last year because I was on the tailgate lot at 4:30 a.m. with Lufkin and the and the, and the pig bus crew um, and kind of tailed them throughout the day uh, to see you know what goes into it and man don't get me wrong pig bus throws down week in week out and is just a fantastic tailgate. But this week is something special and shows, it kind of elevates the rock star status for me just because of the time and effort and dedication put into getting that whole hog on the coals in the Cajacina for as long as it takes that thing to cook. They'll be serving it up around, uh, around four o'clock in the afternoon, a couple of hours before game time. So man, bring bring your appetite bring a few dollars to donate if uh, and 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 just have a great time. It is always so good. And last year was so fun for me being on the lot that long. I don't know that I'm going to make it that long this year. I don't know that I'm going to be up there at 4.30 a.m., but stranger things have happened because I generally get up there quite a bit earlier than I ever intend to. If I say that I'm going to be on the lot by 10, chances are I'm there at 8 or 8.30 uh, so, you know, we'll see how it goes, and uh, I do have a small child at home that always likes to make sure that dad is awake prior to 6 a.m., so hopefully we just shove her full of junk food and caffeine, watch a, a throw on Frozen for her on, fr- on, on Friday night, and then she'll crash hard and just sleep, sleep, that's right, let dad sleep, but regardless, I encourage everybody to get up on that lot early on Saturday because we've only got two more chances to do this this year. And it's just killing me. Three quarters of the way through the season, three games left. Get a home game, back on the road for Arizona, then we're back home for Senior Day in Colorado. And, man, so we got two of them. But let's get loud. Let's get crazy. Get in your seats before kickoff. Let's show Let's show the country what we're all about. It's going to be a great spot. You know, great 6 o'clock p.m. kickoff here. That's 8 o'clock on the East Coast. We'll still have eyeballs on us. It's going to be nationally televised. It's all lining up. So this is a great chance for the youth to make a huge statement because everybody's looking at it. Everybody, you know, we've, we, you, you know, we've talked strength of schedule. We've talked good loss, bad loss. We've talked quality wins. Um... And with you know how everything's shaken out, style points unfortunately will matter. So you know let's do what we can to, to 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 make that place just hostile. And I am I'm just I'm so looking forward to it. You know we'll 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 get in there um, as always. War party, you will be hanging out in that northwest corner of the Guardsman lot. Um, as much as I try to to get out and about i do earlier in the day but as the day wears on i'm usually more centered around pig bus uh ute shasta albert gamboa ed cable in uh in the northwest corner of bliss uh there at the, at the guardsman lot just tearing it up but come say hi and uh you know let's let's enjoy this. Uh, you, you know, regardless of what color you're wearing, come on in, and you're going to be treated like family. Once we get inside the stadium, it's another story. But until that happens, our arms are open, and it's it really is one of the greatest atmospheres that you can that you can ask for. And uh, man, I would be remiss if I did not mention these sick throwback uniforms being worn this weekend. Uh, throwback to the 1966 and 67 seasons, which were, weren't anything momentous in the annals of Utah football history, uh, but, uh, you know, taking a lot of shit on, local, on on social media for looking like Ohio State, and I think it's just the size of the numbers on the jerseys that, that do that, um, you know, and the fact that we both wear red. Um, but they're rocking out the silver helmets, the hand-painted uh, interlocking U logo, They've hand they've hand painted some and airbrushed some scuff marks and grass stains, so they look like you know mid '60s era helmets, you know mid season with all of the wear and tear, and, you know before the days of new helmets for every game and new this and new that and, and you know the disposable society that we live in today. Um, but they looked really, really sharp. Those red jerseys with Utes arced across the sleeve, very simple, clean design. Uh, stripes that actually just go down the side of the leg which is a a, a break from the norm for Utah uniforms lately it seems and it's just gonna be a fantastic day so get up there early get your tailgate on I can't tell you enough times if you don't do it regularly you're missing out because that's where the fun is had you know, make some friends come in eat some great food And uh yo Pig Bus is actually gonna have a, a live band come into play again. Um we we're gonna have more fun than should be legally allowed by law. So join me, rest of war party you, at the tailgate this weekend. It's gonna be something special. More to come. Go Utes! Where does the time go? That does it for another edition of War Party U Weekly Podcast. For Michelle Bodkin, Ryan Boyce, I am Matty Aces saying thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. We enjoy doing this every week. We know we're not everybody's cup of tea. We know that we're the best half-assed podcast out there, and we really appreciate the support. Come find us at the tailgate. Come say hi. And, uh, I don't know, give me a fire Ludwig for, for old time's sake. Coming up on next week's edition, we will review the UCLA game and the Pig Bus tailgate and all of the shenanigans surrounding all of that. We'll also look ahead to the Arizona Wildcats looking to play spoiler in the Pac-12 South race and much, much more where that came from. So thank you. And as always, be good to yourselves and each other and go Utes.
1: Welcome in. You are listening to War Party U. This is one of your hosts, Michelle Bodkin, and I'm hanging out with Ryan and Matt, and we are talking all things University of Utah football. And man, what a great time it is to be a Utah Ute. So we're going to break down what happened this past weekend at home against UCLA, which, man, was another great fun game. We're also going to look ahead to this week's matchup uh and maybe a little bit into just what Utah needs to do as far as the rankings go. If if you're under a rock, the Utes are ranked number 7 in the nation in the college football playoff. Uh you know, they're right where they need to be to to possibly, you know, depending on how how they finish out this season, be in the playoff conversation and that is wildly wildly exciting and then there's been some other news that's kind of come down the pipeline as well in regards to Huntley Uh, Tyler Huntley has just been phenomenal this year I think he's exceeded everybody's wildest dreams for him and he's finally starting to get some recognition for it which is so long overdue this should have been happening probably at the halfway point of the season to be perfectly honest uh you know it's it's too bad that some of this is starting up at at the end of the season but hopefully there's some good things in store for Huntley personally as well so with without further ado and let me just give give you guys a warning (laughs) if I say ow uh randomly it's because I made a sudden movement and like like the right side of my neck like I can't I heard it pop the other day and then I woke up this morning and like I literally cannot move like it hurts so bad so yes if if you hear a random random noises of pain for me it's that i moved suddenly and that's kind of what's going on but and i'm i'm hurting probably as bad as UCLA is after that 493 beat down let's let's just be perfectly honest about that so without further ado let's let's jump into what happened last week against the UCLA Bruins uh, i i think one of the funnier notes and and again i And I think people are right about this. I don't think it was meant to be as condescending as it ended up being played out to be. But UCLA's team came in very confident. Uh, They were coming in off of a three-game win streak. They, I mean, essentially controlled their own destiny in the Pac-12 and really you know could have walked away eliminating utah from the race even though utah right now is sitting sitting in first place utah won't totally cement their place until i believe this week they have to win uh and if if they do win then you know their their fate is sealed if if they lose and USC fulfills, you know, what they need to do. Then it's USC. But anyway, so as of last week, UCLA still still had a a feather in the race. I I don't know what cutesy little saying you wanna wanna put with that, but and like I said, they were coming. They were coming in very very confident. You you listen to what their media was saying. Their media thought. And I mean, what else are you gonna say let's Let's be honest about that. What else are you gonna say? Oh, I mean maybe, maybe could have been worded a little more realistically than it was uh there There was a lot of confidence coming out of l a that this would be an upset and and even even some of the players themselves, there was a player that you know kind of kind of scoffed, and like I said, I think it got blown a little bit out of proportion but at the same time don't say things about your opponent that they maybe will take personally because quite frankly you know especially a team like Utah that does pride themselves on being tough like you don't want to go and like put that out there in the universe that you doubt how tough they are because uh They literally are a team that will go out of their way to beat your ass. And that's pretty much what happened to UCLA. Uh, They they questioned how tough, some of them questioned how tough Utah really was. And Utah proved it. I mean, Utah pretty much proved it from the get-go. The only good drive that UCLA had was their first one that ended in a field goal. After that, they scored no points. They turned it over, I think, a total of five times in the red zone. Let's take a look here. Four times in the red zone. So, it just, you know, it was a bad, bad, bad night for for UCLA. Like, it nothing went their way they they drove the ball pretty well they they were good on the explosive plays but when push came to shove you know utah's defense had that kind of bend but don't break mentality and and they walked away with some interceptions and some humble recoveries and it literally resulted in UCLA only scoring three points. They had more turnovers than they had points. Think about that for a minute. They were down in the red zone five times, and they only walked away with points once. Utah was down there two times and came away with two scores, and that's not counting you know, the scores that they made off of explosive plays. That's not counting the scores that they made off of Turnovers returned, like just a crazy, crazy, crazy night. So I mean, let's let's take a look at you know some some of the stats here. So Dorian Thompson Robin, Robinson DTR, uh, you know, he was twenty of thirty six. He threw two interceptions, two hundred nineteen yards, no touchdowns. He had a long. Of 39, and he was sacked five times. Tyler Huntley, on the other hand, if you if you want to go and compare, 14 of 18 attempts, 335 yards, two touchdowns, a long of 83, and sacked twice. So I just, it's it's the efficiency thing that's I think just mind blowing about what Utah's doing right now. On the offensive side, I mean, between how tough Utah's defense plays and, you know, we can talk and that there were so many players on the defensive end of this thing that just came up big. Mika Tafua had probably his best game as a Ute. Uh, uh, Julian Blackman also had a game to remember. Terrell Burgess had a game to remember. Uh John Penasini had a game to remember. Like, these guys just come in, and they are so damn tough. And, you know, there's a reason why most of their opponents are walking away with single-digit scores, which is crazy, crazy, absolutely wild. Who, I mean, who would have thought this defense has just been stifling? But on the other hand, the offense has been amazing, too. And it's not like they're running a crazy amount of plays either. So, I mean, and again, it it goes back to be efficient and you don't have to run yourself ragged, which is ultimately what's happening to Utah's opponents is, you know, the defense is so stifling that they end up having to almost run double the plays on offense to try and play catch up or or you know not see, totally sink and it's not working they just wear the defense wears them out and then they wear themselves out too so you you know you take a look at i think this one's really interesting as well total offense offensive plays versus the yards that were tallied and i mean you can kind of see that from you know what DTR did versus what Huntley did But you combine everything, so even like the rushing yards, Utah ran 57 plays and came away with 536 total yards of offense off of 57 plays. Now, you take a look at UCLA, they ran 73 plays, 73 total plays, and only came up with 269 total yards. That is just wow. Just wow. And then... I mean, let's let's take a look at at the rushing as well. So Joshua Kelly, who he's a back that I really like. He he he's with UCLA, obviously, back that I really really like. He's kind of he's fun to watch, just like Eno Benjamin with Arizona State. I think Eno's a really dynamic, fun running back as well in this conference. Joshua Kelly, very much the same same type of deal, and and I think what's especially interesting and cool about Joshua Kelly is his story. He was a walk on. He was a walk on and now he's a star for UCLA. Uh you know, he he was he had 19 carries for 81 yards. Uh he had a loss of 3 so that brings that total that net down to 78 total yards rushing. He had a long of 13. He was averaging 4.1 yards per carry. I mean, Utah's defense did a really good job of keeping really explosive back in check and and by comparison you have Zach Moss who ran the ball 17 times uh for a gain of 129 yards off of 17 carries and uh so then you take in the loss which he had a loss of two uh which brings it brings the net down to one twenty seven, and then two touchdowns along of thirty eight. He was aver- averaging almost eight yards per carry, seven point five yards per carry. Guys, that is absolutely crazy. And the funny thing is, watching that game, it didn't seem like he was really getting that much off of off of his plays, but the stats say something totally different. And I think that's kind of been the story of Zach Moss, really. It's so funny to me. I was saying this on the Sirius XM show that I was on earlier this week. You know, it's it's so fun watching Zach Moss break all these yards. And I think I've said this a couple of times on Mute Zone Radio, too. The, like, the funny thing about Zach Moss is, like, you kind of watch the games and – I mean, he does have some very impressive games where you do sit back and go, wow. But a lot of the time, I kind of find myself going, I mean, like, he's okay, right? Like, like he gets the job done. You know, he's not super flashy. Just, like, puts his head down, goes to work, you know, and, and just helps Utah grind out wins. And then you go back and you look at the stats, and it's, I mean, pardon the French. It's literally a holy shit type type of deal where you're like, I didn't realize he was getting that many yards off of off of his, you know, averaging that many yards. I didn't realize he had that many touchdowns at the end of the game. I didn't realize he had that many catches for that many yards for that many touchdowns. This guy just quietly racks up yards and touchdowns and you know what whatever else you want want to tag him with it just it blows my mind sometimes and this this was another game that was kind of like that he was so much more impressive once you went back and looked at I think the stats than when you were kind of watching the game because it felt like UCLA did actually a reasonably good job keeping him in check and that's that's definitely what they were selling out to try and stop was Zach Moss And it was very obvious, it was very clear, and you know what? It didn't work very well, because it ended up opening up things for one tight end, Brant Keithy, who absolutely went out of his brain, five catches, 132 yards, one touchdown, and a long of 69 yards. Crazy, wild, so much fun, so much fun to watch. Guys, enjoy this team. This team is so much fun. This team is so much fun. And I feel like they keep getting better every week. Like literally, they they go back and find things to improve on and get better on. And it's opening up doors that I think a lot of people thought, one, were ridiculous at the beginning of the season. I don't think a lot of people believed that this team could do you know what what some of the incredible hype early on was saying I think it especially got dashed after that USC win which can can I say that I was right and some of you that you know wanted to jump down my throat after that that loss and be mad and angry and pack it in and say that the season was over can I just say I was right to tell you to sit down and shut up and just let the season ride a bit I was right I was 100% right one game does not define a season. Let's just put it that way. Okay. Just enjoy this ride. Just enjoy this team. These kids are great. They're great to be around. I get the honor and the privilege of, you know, having a little bit of a relationship with them. And I, I, you know, I I think I've said this has been my favorite team that I've covered since 2015. And that 2015 team was filled with great Great guys, great kids as well. And and not that other teams in between haven't been that way as well. Utah does such a great job of recruiting, you know, just just some of the best people, whether it's on their coaching staff, you know, the the staff that kind of makes things run. And and what I mean by that is uh, you know, like in recruiting and and the social media crew and the equipment crew. Like, these guys are just awesome. Awesome. And then, of course, you know, you get into the players as well. And they they do such a good job of recruiting guys that are good players, but they're also people that you can be very proud of off the field as well. And, and they do some amazing things in the community. And, you know, just, just make it really easy to cheer for them. So... Keep enjoying what's happening here. It's exciting. Utah is doing a very, very good job of just controlling what they can control. And if they keep doing that, you know, the sky's the limit. And we'll see We'll see where it takes them, ultimately. You know, if they win out, and I'm talking about, you know, even playing the conference championship game against Oregon, the worst that's going to happen is they're going to end up in the Rose Bowl. That's the worst case scenario if they win out, which is crazy cool and something that everybody should enjoy. So we're going to take a quick break here and I'm going to get into breaking down Arizona and and talking about, uh, we'll talk about Huntley a little bit and and, you know, just how special this season's been for him. So you're listening to War Party Youth. This is Michelle taking a break and we will be back at it. Coming back, this is War Party U, Michelle Bodkin, leading the charge on breaking down all things. The University of Utah football with my friends Matt and Ryan. We are jumping into what is the second to last game of the regular season? And Utah has a they're coming off a big win at home, 49 to3 beat down of UCLA. UCLA thought that they, they could play upsetter and uh they were proven wrong. They they definitely were put in their place and reminded that Utah is definitely the tougher team. Now now Utah's on the road. They're gonna be heading down to Tucson, Arizona. And I don't know why I was saying that. Uh Anyway, so yeah, so they're on the road, they're heading to Tucson, they're taking on the Arizona Wildcats, and I I don't know what to make of the Arizona Wildcats and Kevin Sumlin as the head coach of the Arizona Wildcats. I, it's kind of funny because, so UCLA is in year two of Chip Kelly, and i know a lot of people don't know what to make of that match in heaven either i, I still i'm going to beat the i see a lot of potential with the ucla chip kelly match i don't know if it'll be quite what oregon was when chip kelly was there i it i think it's i think it's a different era but i think i think it's a good match and i think you know if they can get through to dtr and and keep recruiting some good people and getting them to buy in I think UCLA is going to be a problem. I really truly do. They have a lot of young talent. And and I think that was a big part of their problem, you know, last last week against Utah is Utah's just older and more experienced and UCLA's hella talented, very talented. And I I think it's pretty easy to see that. They have some great great talent. They're just young and and I think maybe a little bit cocky which which is a good thing but you you need to coach coach it up and and just kind of kind of get them on changing that cockiness to confidence and just being really sure of yourself and they'll get there like i said the that i mean not that Utah fans want to hear that obviously but you know it's, it's just the f- football cycle of life uh that team's really young they learned you know, a really valuable lesson this past week. And they're going to learn and get better from it. Arizona, you know, is in year two of Kevin Sumlin. I, I don't know that that is such a match made in heaven. It just seems like there's been a lot of contention from day one. And, you know, I I don't know. I don't know that I can say that they've gone... Any better. I, they just, they haven't been that impressive. And I, I don't know. I, it's going to be interesting to see how long someone lasts at Arizona. I, I don't know. I don't know that he's going to last that long. I, I just... uh... So, I mean... So, here's the rundown of kind of what's been going on year two of the Kevin Sumlin experience. They... They are sitting at four and six. They're most likely not going to be bowl eligible this year. I... So, they have Utah this weekend. I... Unless some really stupid Pac-12 stuff happens, they're not beating Utah. Uh, and then they, of course, have their big rivalry game the following week, Thanksgiving weekend, against Arizona State. And, you know, I they maybe could sneak a win out against Arizona State, but it'd be too little too late. So, yeah, I mean they're they're staring down no wins. No wins to finish out. Like I said Arizona State maybe a little bit of a toss up. They they've seemed a little broken since they've played Utah. Uh so that that's going to be an interesting game to watch, I think. But In the grand scheme of things, it's not going to matter too much for Arizona. They're, like I said, unless they can manage to get a win against Utah, they're not going bowling. So their season's pretty much over. Uh, And then you know they they lost. I think you knew things were going to be bad when Hawaii made them look bad to start the season. So, it just it's it's been an up and down year for them they recently fired their defensive coordinator and you know have have brought someone else on. I wrote about it uh a little bit in in the press conference rundown from this past week. They can't decide on what quarterback they want to use. They keep going back and forth between Khalil Tate and Grant Gunnell and can't seem to find or decide who of those two guys they like better. Uh it's just it's they messy about the the best thing they have going on right now is uh again their running back, you know I it's it's such a fun conference with all the good running backs between Zach Moss at Utah, you know, Benjamin at Arizona State, uh Joshua Kelly at UCLA, and then of course I'm talking about JJ Taylor at Arizona and you know like I said I think I think he's about the the best thing they have really going on uh he let's take a look at his stat line here so JJ Taylor has 124 attempts on the year 640 yards on the year he's averaging 5.2 yards per carry he has a long of 40 and five touchdowns to his name. Uh He also has done a little receiver duty for the the Wildcats. 26 receptions, 260 yards, averaging about 10 yards per catch along of 28 no touchdowns though as as more of a receiver. Uh you know, I mean the funny thing is a couple years ago everybody everybody was really, really, really excited about Khalil Tate, and rightfully so. I mean when he's used correctly, he is a very dynamic player that's hard to stop. But I think I don't know. Since since Sumlin's come in, I I don't know that they've been using Khalil right and I I kind of start to wonder if Khalil hasn't lost his confidence. Which is too bad. It's too bad. Because from, from all accounts, everything I've heard, Khalil is a good kid. He's a kid that's easy to cheer for. And like I said, he, he had a very interesting, unique talent. He was fun to watch when he was used correctly. He hasn't been used correctly the last couple of years. And... And it's really, I I think, taken its toll on him, and he's not that fun, fun to watch anymore. And so it's it's going to be interesting to see, you know, who who they roll out, whether they're going to go Gunnel or Tate, or some combination of the two, because they get frustrated because, you know, nothing gets going. Arizona's defense is soft. I think they're a little bit better since they made the defensive coordinator switch. Uh, but I I just I don't know that it really Arizona can do anything to really effectively stop or, or rain on Utah's parade. I mean, there's there's been talk at senior day, but there's also been talk, so and this is kind of why like I'm just not sure what's going to ultimately end up happening with Kevin Sumlin. So last year, Kevin Sumlin made some waves because he canceled senior day. He was disgusted with his team. They didn't win. They didn't rally. And so he thought a really good punishment would be to cancel senior day. And there's been some rumor that he may do it again, which I just think, I don't know. I think that's horrific. I, first of all, the kids that are seniors, you know, for the next couple of years, they came in assuming that they were going to be playing for Rich Rod, the, the head coach before. And so I I just, I don't know. And in, in this day and age of you transfer out really quickly and give up on your team, I don't know that that sends the best message canceling senior day for kids that decided to stick it out and try to make it work under you, under a new head coach. And and I don't know how that's going to help you ultimately recruit the types of guys that you ultimately do want to end up playing for you. It just, it doesn't make any kind of real logical sense to me. But then again, I'm not getting paid the big bucks to coach. So, but... So I, I don't know, like there, there's just some weirdness going on down there in the desert and I, I don't know how well it's ultimately gonna bode for everyone except for Utah. I think it's going to bode really well. Utah should absolutely wipe the field with these guys, I would think. um Again, barring any Pac-12 after dark weirdness that sometimes can happen, but Utah should have this in the bag. I I'm not concerned about this Utah team. They are so focused and and I kind of hinted at I think I think they have even more reason to be focused. Yes, we we talked a little bit about potential they went out playoffs, being in the playoff com- conversation. The other thing that's now in conversation is getting Huntley to New York. For the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Now, let's be very clear on this. There are a couple of guys that I think are noticeably better than Huntley. Not a ton better. But I think I think the campaign's been going on longer for him. And I think their stats are just, just a hair better than his. That, that he's not going to walk away with that trophy. However let's get him that trip to new york just to be a part of that whole experience because he does deserve that he 100% deserves that and he deserves to get a little bit of that national attention for being one of the best because he has been one of the best all season long and and unfortunately it's gone under the radar like radar like i said until kind of really now this point in time this moment and that is such a shame that is such a shame that that he's been so overlooked all season long because I think I think Joe Burrow still probably gets the nod at the end of it but it just it would have been nice to have Huntley much more in the conversation because he was putting up good numbers he's still putting up amazing numbers and he just should have been talked about a whole lot more than he was but it is great that he's now in that conversation that he now has that chance that opportunity to to go there and and rub elbows with with some of the guys that were getting that that talk that talk up that 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 clout as as the kids like to say. So, you know, good good on Huntley. You know, you go you go kid. You know, pad your stats, get get yourself a trip to New York. Go, go, go experience something awesome and great, you know, that this program hasn't experienced since 2004 with Alex Smith, who was a runner up in the Heisman Trophy race. You know, let's, let's, I don't even know if Huntley's necessarily going to be the runner up, but again, just get yourself in the conversation, get yourself a trip to New York and, and get yourself some of that recognition. Even even if you don't walk away with the trophy, just get some of the recognition, man, cuz you've earned it. You you absolutely deserve it. This team deserves deserves it. And you know, it's just one more thing that that it's going to make this season one to remember for fans, players, coaches, you know, everybody that's kind of involved in this thing. Uh and you know, to be honest, I I think there, there there, may be a couple years down the road where this is going to be a little bit of the norm. I think Utah takes a little bit of a step back next year. They have to replace a couple of key areas. Uh, I think I think they'll still be very good. I think they still could possibly win the South. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be quite the level of what's going on here. But 2021, 2022, 2023, you know, look out. You're you're gonna have many of the same guys kind of around, and you know who knows who knows what this team can do, what Kyle Whittingham can do, what the Pac-12 collectively can do. It's it's just it's an exciting time to be a Utah Ute fan, and just enjoy it, enjoy it, and and cheer these kids on because they've done something very fun and incredible, and. And it's been a couple of years since, since you know, this has kind of been a realistic opportunity to, to be in the thick of all these national conversations. So, enjoy it. Cheer loud, cheer proud Saturday. You know, Utah needs another big impressive win. I think they'll get it. Uh, I don't think Arizona poses much of a problem for these guys. I think they face tougher competition. Uh, and, you know, we'll we'll be back at it next week talking last game of the regular season and, and what it could all mean. So in the meantime, this is Michelle Bodkin signing off. You've been listening to War Party U, and we'll be back next week. You are listening to the Smooth Sounds of War Party U. This is Michelle Bodkin hanging out with my dear friends, Matt and Ryan. And uh, we're we're talking the last game of the regular season. It seems so hard to believe that we have done 12 of these now. And like I said, that, that the regular season, the season that we couldn't wait for to come to get started... To be here because we had, at least I did, going into the season, had high expectations for what this team could do. And I think on so many levels, they they have met and exceeded some, some, of, some of our wildest, some of my wildest dreams even. And it's just, it's crazy how quickly this has all gone by. Uh, it unbelievable I mean really just unbelievable all the way around uh I I'm not sure what what the guys uh thought process is for for some of the postseason stuff that's gonna most likely be happening for Utah again they they do have to win Saturday in order for all this to come to fruition I believe that they will win Saturday I don't I just don't see this team dropping off. I just don't. This team is too focused in. They want this so bad. They knew that they could have done this last year. They came up a little bit short, injuries and, and a little inexperience. I don't think these guys are going to walk away not only disappointing the fans but disappointing themselves this season. It's. I just don't foresee it happening with that said let's let's jump in and review what happened last week for our now number 6 Utah Utes uh they have moved up in the AP poll i believe in the coaches poll as well and of course the all important uh oh goodness college football playoff poll they really need to come up with a shorter name for that it's a mouthful i i'm i'm not a fan of that but uh number 6 in the nation Utah had another big win down in Tucson, Arizona, beating up on the Arizona Wildcats 35 to 7. Uh and I'm sure as you all remember, Oregon really screwed the pooch. I mean, they they could have made this process, this journey for the Pac-12 in general, whether whether it would have been Utah or Oregon, a lot easier if they had won their damn game last week. And they should have. They should. I mean, I I will continue to beat this drum. I think Arizona State is a good team. I think they're going to be a problem for the Pac-12 starting next year. I don't think Arizona State was quite there this year. But they were good enough that they were going to be a headache and beat beat some teams. They should not have beat Oregon. As much as I will say that I think Utah's better than Oregon, as much as I will say I think Oregon has more deficiencies in their game plan, Oregon is so much better than what they played last week, and there just was no excuse for that. But on the other hand, Utah handled their business. They handled their business like champs. Really, they almost pitched another shutout, uh, Arizona was lucky that Utah put in their second string defense. Otherwise, they they were staring down a big old goose egg. I think they scored with only like 2 minutes left in the game. So, it just it was just another dominant dominant performance. A little sloppier than we've maybe seen in the past. I I don't know why Utah came out, especially I think in the beginning is chippy uh as they did and and you know they had they had some kind of dumb penalties but they calmed down they played their game obviously it's not something that you want to see them doing against better competition but i mean overall you just you can't be upset with how things played out last week tyler huntley once again phenomenal 19 of 23 82.6 completion percentage uh, 211 yards he was averaging about 9.2 yards per throw he had one t- touchdown he did throw gasp his second interception of the season which is just it's crazy 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 how good this guy has been and I, he, I what can you say about Tyler Huntley uh, his QBR for the game was 165.3, which again is just, it's stupid good. It's so damn good. Then you go and you look at what some of the other guys in the game did. Uh, you know, Zach Moss, again, beast, 26 carries, 203 total yards. He was averaging, again, almost eight yards per touch, which is insane. One touchdown uh he had four receptions was averaging 32 yards per per reception that he had uh or sorry gained 32 yards he was averaging about 8 yards uh per per catch as well um i wow this guy this guy and then on top of that they had all these other guys kind of come in and help carry the load. We saw Brant Keithy on a jet sweep, which was Utah's first touchdown score. And that was fun and awesome and unexpected and another wrinkle that now defenses are going to have to worry about that they can do with, with this tight end that's so versatile and, and can do so many different things. Um, he He definitely starred in this game. I thought it was really exciting seeing TJ Green get his first touchdown of the season, especially with some of the injuries that he's kind of had to deal with and stuff. It's been fun watching some of these guys get their first touchdowns. Uh, If you'll recall last week, DHC had his first touchdown, um, and he's kind of been going through some stuff with his grandfather passing away recently. So it just... Seeing how excited the team gets for for some of these guys getting their first career touchdown and stuff, it's just it's so much fun. It adds so much to the game. And, oh, you just you gotta love it. You gotta love what this team is doing on offense. Um, they they've just been so dominant. Uh, as far as the defense is concerned, Um, Let's see. Let's look at what some of the significant stats were for last week. Uh, I mean, kind of the guys at the top of the list for last week. Francis Bernard, seven solo tackles, one assist. Um, No sacks. Bradley and I, one sack. uh, Also had seven solo tackles. Terrell Burgess, again, phenomenal. Five tackles. Uh, I just, uh, this team, this team is just so good. So good. Um, let me quickly see if I can find real quick. Okay. Yep. Right here. So this Utah defense held Arizona's offense to 11 first down conversions versus Utah's 28 first down conversions. Uh, <laughs> uh, rushing yards, they only had 61 rushing yards off of 25 attempts versus Utah having 50 attempts and almost 300 yards worth of rushing, uh, on the throwing end of it, Arizona was held to 135 total yards. Um, Utah had 220 and so total offensive yards for Utah, 517 versus get ready to snort, Arizona's 196. They didn't even crack 200 yards. Uh, that's that That is just dominating defense, dominating defense. And you know, I the crazy thing is, I think these guys just continue to get better and better as the season goes on. It's like they keep getting more and more confident with what it is they're supposed to be doing. And they've just, they've been so fun to watch. They've been such a joy to watch. They never gave up. They literally picked themselves up by their bootstraps when things kind of went sideways against USC and have just been phenomenal since then. I mean, literally giving... Giving Utah fandom no reason to really worry about them or worry about what they're do- doing, they just go in and they handle their business. And you just you have to love what's being built up on the hill, and you have to be so proud. And with that being said, after the break, I will get into Colorado and uh, we'll we'll break down them and kind of what to expect. For that game, you are listening to War Party U and this is Michelle Bodkin going into break. Back at you with the hottest takes in all of Utah sports. This is War Party U and Michelle Bodkin of UteZone.com hanging out with my friends Matt and Ryan and we're breaking down everything Utah football. And as I mentioned in the last segment I did... Sad face. We we are staring down the last regular season game of the 2019 season. Thankfully, I don't think Saturday is it for the Utes. They at least have a bowl game. And I, I think they have a little bit more than just a bowl game coming up for them. But it is all dependent on whether or not they take care of their big... "Quote unquote rivalry game in the Pac-12. I I know the Pac-12 wants Colorado to be Utah's rival. I don't think they are. I think USC and ASU, and even even if you want to go up north, I think Washington and Stanford are much more rivals of Utah football than than Colorado. Um, and and part of the problem is Colorado." Really, for the most part, just has not been good. They've really struggled making the transition to the Pac 12. Um, they've been through a couple of coaches now. Um, uh, their old coach, uh, who was fired last year, Mike Mac- McIntyre, you know, did clinch them a Pac 12 South title. I still think that was like the flukiest thing ever. I really think, I think. They kind of lucked their way into that one. I, I just don't know that I really believe that they were the best team in the South that year. Um, I think I think they were a little bit improved, but I don't know that they were really that good. And I think, I think kind of their postseason exposed a lot of that when they got spanked in in the uh, conference championship game, and and then in their bowl game. I think, like Iowa State of all, I, just like someone not good. So I, I think they kind of skated through because nobody believed that they were capable of beating anyone, and that wasn't entirely true. They could beat people um, if, if you didn't come with your A game, and I, and I think they caught most of their opponents off guard is really truly what I believe of that year. I also, for the record was a Mike McIntyre fan and then when all this stuff kind of came out about some of the stuff he covered up like i was all about his ass needed to be fired i just like i am not here for that kind of crap i i ugh, really frustrating glad to see he's gone glad to see that he's suffering at old miss with a rich rod <laughs> i'm glad that they are getting absolutely beat up in the SEC um, because they're both just kind of despicable in my book. However, Colorado's hired a new head coach. Uh, This is his first year, Mel Tucker. I, I like what I've seen out of him. I think he brings a really good positive energy to this program. I think he's kind of getting them to where... They're believing and buying into what he's saying. Now it's just going to be a ma- matter of Mel Tucker bringing in his guys and the types of guys that he wants circulating through the Colorado Buffalo program. With that being said, yes, they, they've they looked a little more energized the last two weeks than they have in the past. Um, yes... LaVisca Chenault seem seems to be back. I I'm I'm still a little fuzzy on, you know, what what the deal is with his abdominal injur- injury that he's been dealing with most of the season. Um it appears to be that it's not bothering him as much as it was maybe earlier in the season. But here's the thing about Colorado. They they don't have a lot of weapons to go to. Uh and I just Utah's too good. Utah is too good. And unless Utah just decides to play not show up for this game, unless Utah, this Utah team for whatever reason decides that they have this in the bag already despite needing to win this game in order to clinch everything up. Uh I I just, I don't see it. I don't see it. Steven Montez is just kind of, he's okay. Uh, You get pressure in his face, and that's something that Utah, this Utah defense has been so good at from all sorts of different places. He's going to get rattled. You know, it's, it's just, it's too, as talented as LaVisca Chenault is, and as many different things as Colorado can make him do within that offense, it's, just too easy when you only really have to key in on one guy. I just I don't expect much from from this game unless again like I said Utah just decides to not show up, not give it their full 100% effort. And I I just I don't know. That, that is something that's going to happen from this team, and the the reason being is I think they want that shot at the playoff, and I think they know that they need to be impressive. You know, it's not even about squeaking out a win, especially against again a team they're they're five and six this year. Um, they're seventy fourth out of one hundred and thirty division 1 fbs football programs which isn't great uh points per game they're averaging 24 which is 99th out of 130 schools um it just i just i I just don't see it and I know people have talked about oh well 2011 or i think there was like one other year that colorado kind of screwed things up for utah and i just it's it's not going to be this year i i will eat my hat if it if it does happen to be this year but i just i don't think it will be i this utah team is too good they are too focused the the senior and junior leadership is just it's it's too good. It's too good and they are too close to doing some phenomenal things that I don't think they're going to let this slip by on them. Uh so you know, just just be ready for Utah to to put on another good show and just really show how dominant and good they are. Because that, I think that is task numero uno for this team is just continue to build on the narrative that we have been better than everyone we have come across. And even they can make an argument with that, with their one loss against USC, because it it's boring ad nauseum stuff, but you throw out the final score, you look at all the rest of the stats of that game Utah dominated USC they were just one play away from actually winning that game and so it's it's just again it's continuing to build that resume it's continuing to make force the national people to have to talk about them and talk about how dominant they've been And all that kind of stuff. So look for Utah to do that Saturday. And look for them to send their seniors out the right way. Because this has been an amazing senior class. And in my last segment after the break, I I will get into that a little bit more. Since I've had the absolute honor and pleasure of talking to every single senior this season. So you are listening to War Party U. We are taking a quick break, and we will be right back at you. We are back on War Party U. This is Michelle Bodkin hanging out with Matt and Ryan, and we are talking all things University of Utah football and breaking down the last regular season game of 2019. For this amazing Utah Utes team and before I sign off on on this episode, I just wanted to talk about Utah's senior class and and the guys that are involved in this year's program. Uh, they have been an absolute joy to be around and work with and Uh, I think I've mentioned it in another episode before this has been probably my favorite group of seniors since that 2015 team uh that had like Isaac Asiata and Kenneth Scott and Gianni Paul and I think was Nate Orchard still there or was he the year before no Nate Orchard was still there uh uh Devontae Booker, like uh Travis Wilson, Kendall Thompson, like all all of those guys, like this team is so similar to them in a lot of ways. Just just the leadership that the senior class exudes. And even even the guys below below them, like, you know, the Jalen johnsons of of the group that twenty fifteen team had the same type of thing with like marcus williams and and guys like that like there's just so many striking similarities. I think the one thing that twenty nineteen has that twenty fifteen didn't was just a little more depth to overcome you know key injuries that sometimes happen in a season and thankfully. This Utah team has been very healthy, and part of that has been, you know, they have an offense that can kind of do do their due diligence in a game, and and, you know, it's not always up to the defense to save the day, and I think that saved a lot of injuries. I, you know, that 2015 team, I would have been really curious to see, you know, what Andy Lud- Ludwood could have done with them. Again, I don't think they have near as much depth, especially at wide receiver um, like, like they do in 2019. I don't think they would have had quite as many options, but I just think they probably would have been used a little bit better and into and their fuller capabilities, and they maybe would have won a game or two more than they did uh even even with some of the injuries I just there just something there was something that wasn't quite as efficient as it needed to be with that twenty fifteen team but you know what that that just sometimes happens, and at the end of the day it doesn't erase just how phenomenal that team was and how great that group of guys was and i love I love that I still you know, talk to and keep in touch with a lot of, a lot of that team, um, and I, I see, I see a real possibility that it's probably, probably going to be a little bit the same way, a little different because I'm a decent chunk older than a lot of these guys, this, this go around, whereas the 2015 team, I was pretty close to the same age to a lot of them, but I, I think, I think, these, this is going to be another group of guys that's just going to be heavily identified with their school and wanting to come back and wanting to give back to the Utah Salt Lake community. You know, going coming back to games, reuniting with teammates, uh, just just making the time and the effort to be around. That 2015 team does it, 2008 does it, 2004 does it. 1994 team is very involved and active in Utah football. 2019 is going to be a very similar type situation. and, And these guys are just special. So cherish them. Cherish them because they're good in the classroom. They're good on the field. They're good out in the community. You know, they... They just, I there's just not an, enough time for me to really talk about what a good, interesting, kind, generous, amazing group of guys Utah recruited into this class. And that's, you know, the guys that have been here all four years. That's some of the fill-in seniors that, you know, were grad transfers that came in. And, and kind of helped fill out the team for, you know, just this season. They've all been great. They've all been wonderful. Uh, they've worked their tails off. They've bought in. And there's a reason why this team is sitting where it's currently sitting. And it's it's in large part because of, of those kids, those guys. Uh, and... Their belief not only in themselves, but in the guys around them as well, and in the coaches. And that is, that can make all the difference in the world as far as, you know, how well a team does or doesn't do in a season. And, and even, you know, I'll even spread that out to the parents. I think the group of parents surrounding, this year's team has just been awesome. They retweet everybody's senior features. They make sure that people are tagged so that so that they know that you know something awesome has been written about them or you know that they're getting credit or or you know I see you know other parents you know complimenting another kid for for having a great game and being so happy to see them succeed and and have a little bit of, you know, the limelight in what's been a really amazing season. And that I think goes a long way. I think it goes a really really long way. And so to see see this Utah football family Seeing how this football team it, it really trickles, it trickles down from the coaches, it trickles down from the players, it's now seeping into the families, and the families are all bought in, and and looking out for each other, and taking care of each other, and it enjoy this, fans, enjoy it, and hope that it continues to build, and continues to get bigger and better as the years go on, because not every college team can say that they have this type of culture. It's it's awesome and it's amazing. And I'm telling you that this is unique from conversations I've had with players that have been at other schools. I am telling you that this situation is unique from some of my scouting friends that, you know, go all over the country and, and evaluate talent. And I mean, they see what goes on, on the inside of some of these programs. uh You know, and, and even some of my reporter friends too, like I have friends that they, they go and they cover, you know, a bunch of different teams and the, it, it's really kind of a consensus thought that what Utah football has, what Coach Whittingham has built, what these guys believe in and, and keep adding to is unique. It's unique and it's done in the right way. And now you're starting to see them really build a national brand, which you know has always been the goal, but it's something that's a work in progress. And I would say this senior class has been another significant step in in building that national prominence and showing a way that you can do do that the right way and you know make sure that all the things that actually count being a good person getting your schoolwork done graduating graduating from college what a concept all matter and on top of that hell you can still go and play in the nfl by doing all of that and you can still possibly be up for postseason awards and, you know, big fancy playoff games and the the need to cheat and be sneaky and conniving and, and, you know, doing some of the slimy, slimy things that some schools have been caught for doing, It it isn't necessary. It doesn't have to be that way. So I really relish in it, really relish in it, take pride in it. And you know, when, when there are some down seasons, just ride the wave, ride the wave and know that it's being taken care of in a way that ultimately you're going to be proud of and they will get it back up where it needs to be. But you know, this, this, the way that they do this, it maybe is going to be a little more up and down than, than some of your other programs and, and Be okay with that as long as, you know, some of the other stuff is happening, that guys are graduating at a high rate, that they're still making it to the NFL, that there aren't scandals, that sort of thing. So with all that being said, I am begging everyone that listens to this podcast, please, 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 please please show up early and send these seniors out the right way. They are good guys. They are good guys, and they are going to do amazing things on and off the football field. I can guarantee that to you. So just just be there on time. Make the stadium full. Make it loud. Show them how proud you are for everything that they've accomplished and everything that they are going to accomplish, because I can promise you, promise you that list is going to be long and and absolutely amazing. When all said and done, well, uh, that's all I got on my on my plate of things. Uh, before I sign off, I want to wish every single one of you an amazing Thanksgiving. I hope you spend it with family and friends, and and again, just be thankful for this team and and this year and on On my behalf, thank you so much for listening and reading everything that I do. It's appreciated. You know, i I feel like the luckiest person on earth getting to do what I get to do. And you know, hopefully there's more good things on the horizon that that we can kind of celebrate together and break down and talk about for years to come. You're listening to War Party U. We're signing off. Have a great day. Surprise, surprise, we are back at it on War Party U. This is Michelle Bodkin of UteZone.com, and I am hanging out with Matt and Ryan, and we are talking all things University of Utah football. If you are under a rock and you missed it, Utah clinched the South Division title for a second straight year, beating up on the Colorado Buffaloes, their their quote-unquote rival in the Pac-12, 45-50. Uh, Fifteen, uh, and for a while there, I, it looked like maybe Colorado had some momentum, but Utah snatched that away pretty quick, which I don't think was super surprising to anyone really. When all is said and done, uh, I I think we've talked ad nauseum about how this Utah team typically operates, and and it always does kind of feel like they fill things out with their opponent and then they just take it all away. Uh so with that with that being said, uh let's just take a look here and and just kind of go through the Colorado game as a review. Uh you know, it was senior night. It was cold as all get out. Uh and and you know what, there was a pretty good turnout for for this senior class. There's 19 seniors. That Utah said goodbye to that played their last game at Rice eccles Stadium, and a lot of them had a pretty amazing farewell, if you will uh, it's i i just i don't I don't know I don't know what what you can really say about about these kids that, you know, bought in and gave gave everything that they possibly could have to the program, you know, and and I think it really it it does start with Lecky Fotu and Bradley and I and Zach Moss and Julian Blackman, you know, deciding collectively I well probably individually first and then kind of collectively as a group that they wanted to come back and that they had some unfinished business that they wanted to take this Utah team to this place. And then on top of that, you have your senior quarterback in Tyler Huntley that I I think just completely bought into everything. Uh he he was just ready to drink from the the fountain of Andy Ludwig and and learn as much as he could and improve as much as he could in the off season and you know 2019, we've just, we've seen the fruits of all that labor. And like I said, I think it really, it starts with those, those five guys. And it just, it kind of trickles down to everybody else, whether we're talking about Derek Vickers or, uh, you know, John Penasini, Josh Nurse, uh, Darren Palo, you know, it, it's just, it's been such, Damari Simpkins, it's, it's just been such a remarkable, amazing collective effort, collective run. And, and these kids, they, they were absolutely fantastic to finish out at home and, and clinch the South and, and stamp their ticket to Santa Clara this week. So, I mean, oh, we just kind of quickly looking at the stats from last week, you know, Laviska Shenault for the buffs was kind of the the big threat. Um he's he's their big offensive weapon and, you know, the Utah defense once again kind of did what they always do and they they took him away and made him ineffective for Colorado, Steven, Steven Montez, you know, whether he was handing the ball off to LaVisca or trying to pass, pass to him, he, he just really didn't do a whole lot on the day rushing, you know, five attempts, 25 yards, uh, and then receiving four, four catches for 43 yards. So, you know, compared to what he normally does, uh he was very, very quiet. Uh and then, you know, Steven Montez, the kid was sacked five times. Um you know, got got two touchdowns uh, and and had a hundred and fifty seven yards on the day, but I it just you, like I said, Utah's defense went out and they did what they needed to do. And there were some nerves early on. And, and it maybe, you know, took this team a little bit longer to rally than than usual. And, and I don't know. I'm going to guess it was just the emotions of of it all, of, you know, saying goodbye, of that being the last time. And I think maybe needing to just get that out of their system. For a minute there. Uh, you know, let's look over at at the Utah side of things. I mean, I think first of all, we need to start with Bradley and I who tied the Utah all-time sack record. Uh, he shares the top title right now with Hunter Demick with I believe it's 29 and a half career sacks. Um and he has a great opportunity to break that record this week against the Oregon Ducks, which we'll get into maybe a little bit more in the next segment. Uh, you know, Tyler Huntley, once again, not a ton of attempts, but the attempts that he did make, he was very efficient per usual. Uh, 14 of 17, 165 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, he was sacked twice. The The offensive line was a little leaky to start, but they seem to kind of tighten that up a bit. And, you know, the the rest is history from there. Uh, they really, really keyed in on Zach Moss. Zach Moss wasn't as effective as he'd typically been. He still was the lead rusher for the Utes. Uh, 20 carries, 88 yards, one touchdown. Uh, but he was held to a kind of a low average per carry. four four 4.4 yards per carry. But, you know, the Buffaloes really paid... For trying trying to really key in on Zach and and they got beat up by a bunch of other people whether it was Jalen Dixon or Tyler Huntley or Brant Keithy, Derek Vickers you know they're sending anybody and everybody at them and so it was like yeah you can stop Zach Moss but you know are you going to have an answer for when we rush our tight end are you going to have an answer for when we rush a couple of our receivers, our really speedy receivers. Maybe, you know, you're going to have a problem with some of our other running backs or our quarterback. And it just, it it made for a really tough day overall for, for the Buffaloes. And, and the game did eventually get out of hand for them. So kudos to the Utes. And they are going to be heading up to the bay area the yay area to take on oregon which is kind of the matchup we all thought we would see kind of towards the beginning of the year and and it looks like it's it's gonna live up to the ticket and and be a good matchup so we'll get into a little bit of that in the next segment we're taking a break here this is war party U, and we'll be back at it You are listening to the sultry sounds of War Party U. This is Michelle Bodkin with UteZone.com, hanging out with Matt and Ryan, and we are talking everything having to do with Utah football. The Utes have a really, really big game this week. It's it's for all the marbles, at least all the marbles as far as the Pac-12 is concerned. Uh, last week, they clinched the South title for the second straight season in a row, and they are on their way to Levi Stadium in Santa Clara to take on the thirteenth ranked Oregon Ducks. Or excuse me, I think they're actually fourteenth. I think I was looking at the AP. Um uh, anyways, the the teen ranked ducks. Uh and if if you've been haven't been watching this season, you know, it, it looked like Oregon and Utah were both both going to head into this matchup as one loss teams, both in the top ten of the college football playoff poll. And Oregon had a very, very unfortunate slip up against Arizona State, which if you if you remember, Utah kind of manhandled them when they came and visited Salt Lake. But for whatever reason the Sun Devils had Oregon's number and, you know, they slipped up. So Oregon's now a two-loss team. They are out of the college football playoff uh, equation. But they still have a lot to play for, you know. Uh, for pride's sake, obviously, you're always going to want to have that, that Pac-12 title to your name. Uh, and, I mean, really, either, either way, if they win or lose to Utah. Uh, they're going to the Rose Bowl. But, I mean, you always want to look better heading into that sort of thing. So, um, and and my feeling on the Oregon Ducks, like, they, they are talented. They are very, very talented. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but it was probably about mid-October that I really started to come to the conclusion and felt very strongly that I do think without a doubt Utah is the better team of, of the two. And that's not to say that Utah can't lose to Oregon. They absolutely could lose to Oregon. Oregon can beat anybody on a good day, but that's just it. They, like, they have to play their best game. And in the last couple of weeks between Arizona State and they had a bit of an emotional roller coaster type game with their, their heated rival in the Civil War with uh, the Oregon State Beavers, Uh, that I think was much closer than many were anticipating it to be, but, uh, you know, so it's going to, it's going to be interesting to see how this Ducks team responds. Uh, Justin Herbert's one of the top quarterbacks in the country and, and rightfully so. I, he's someone that I personally don't get crazy, crazy excited about, but he does a lot of things really well. Uh, you know at as far as keeping the turnovers down making smart decisions he's usually very on the ball about that um and 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 he can make some awesome 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 throws you know when given the time which behind his offensive line that's like hardly ever a problem or an issue for them Oregon's boasting one of the best offensive lines uh in the nation and uh, you know, in large part, that that's due to a local product. Uh, one of the Sewell brothers is is up in Oregon, up in Eugene, and uh, he very easily could be one of the best left tackles in the country, if not the best left tackle in the country. So, I mean, he he really shores up that line. Um, defensively. Oregon is number two in the Pac-12. Uh, so, I mean, there are no slouches on that side of the ball either. Uh, they have pro- probably the best defensive backs in in the league outside of what Utah is toting around. So, I mean, it's it's going to be a very, very interesting game. But I think what this game is ultimately going to come down to is who wins in the trenches and you know you've got two teams that are pretty pretty dang good pretty dang loaded on on their offensive and defensive lines i think the big key matchup is going to be utah's defensive line against oregon's offensive line i think i think that's where the real you know ringer competition is going to be coming in uh and and that could be you know where the game game is won or lost for either team some other things to keep in mind as you're watching is uh, the weather forecast is nasty for Santa Clara and the Bay Area this weekend. Uh, it's supposed to just rain nonstop. Uh, the 49ers filled, which is where they're playing the game. is a grass field, so it the potential for it to just be a muddy, nasty, awful mess is through the roof. Uh, and And... I've always said weather can be a great equalizer when when you have two teams going into a game, you know, and and especially if one appears to maybe be a little bit more dominant than the other one. Uh weather weather can take that all away very easily. And it's you know, it's it's kind of interesting because the other night doing its own radio asked for a prediction of this game and while i i feel very confident that utah wins i think i just again i think they're better i think i think when these kids say that they have unfinished business they really mean that they have unfinished business and they're going to take care of it and nothing's going to stop them or get in their way uh i still think you know oregon's good enough uh and and the weather i think is going to be nasty enough that it, it 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 could be a little bit more challenging than maybe some of the other games that we've seen throughout the season. And that's not to say that once you kind of go looking through all the stats that it doesn't become clear that Utah really controlled the narrative of the game at the end of it, but the score just may not be reflective of that. I think I said I was expecting like a 28-24 type game. But uh, then, then Paul Feinbaum happened and essentially to to put this all in a nutshell he he got on national tv and said utah absolutely did not deserve to be the fourth team in the college football playoff if lsu beat georgia on saturday and the only reason he could give was because the nation doesn't want to see utah because it's Utah uh, and I mean that's that's very lazy obtuse analysis uh, and and to to be fair in all fairness Paul's area of expertise is the SEC and that's mainly what he sticks to uh, you know his his deal is not doing national analysis it's it's feeding the SEC machine and the ESPN narrative that the SEC is is the greatest conference in all of college football so i mean he really was doing what he's paid to do in this instant the issue is if any anybody recalls 2008 very similar things were said about a very similarly built utah team and um, they they kind of caused all hell to break loose and things got really interesting and they ended up manhandling alabama who nobody literally nobody gave gave them a shot you know they're not talented enough they're not this they're not that it's just Utah because it's Utah type stuff. And frankly, they kicked ass. I, they kicked Alabama's teeth in in the first quarter and never looked back. Alabama never had a lead in that game. Uh, Utah was just that Utah team was just out to make a point, prove a point, uh, and, and make sure that everybody knew that uh, they were the real deal. That year, and i I think fine boss set this team up to to potentially do a very similar thing, and so now I'm starting to see and fill a narrative where maybe this game isn't as close as as I initially thought it would be i I could so see. This Utah team just going off on Oregon, and again, really proving a point. And um, on Twitter, I joked about it being the the Alice Cooper special, giving giving Oregon the Alice Cooper special. Which, again, in fairness, Oregon didn't really do anything or say anything, you know, to provoke that, but. You know, I think I think when Whittingham gets doubted, I think when his guys get doubted, and especially when they're the caliber of which we have seen this year, the caliber of which we've seen in 2008, the caliber of which we've seen in 2004, it gets personal, and and they go out for blood. And so that's another interesting development that's come up with this game, and... You know, we we shall just see how how this maybe plays out. And it it should be a wild ride, but uh you fans just just enjoy this ride and enjoy everything about it and take it in and relish it and whatever happens, you know, happens in Santa Clara. But what a freaking journey this 2019 season's been and hopefully hopefully there's a few more memories to be made down the road so we we shall see stay tuned all right guys you've been listening to War Party U I'm signing off because I've got an early early flight and I need to get some sleep all right guys